Call of Duty goes to China, AAA development is high risk, and Sony buys Gaikai. All that, plus more, on today's MASHcast. I'm Jared. I'm here with senior editor Rob Hill Williams. Hello. Also here with uh, podcast host and contributor Nick Zelenkevich. Hey, how's everybody doing? And also Mikey Kinney, who is also a podcast host and contributor. Nom 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 nom. <laughs> Forever and always. Yeah, nom, best nom. intro we've ever had. Mike eating a peanut butter jelly sandwich. On the mash cast. Thanks, Jared. Completely unaware. Totally, <laughs> totally <laughs> love that you kept that. No, 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 thank you, sir. Thank you for, for that. We everybody appreciates that. Mm, I bet. Yeah, but this is a uh, smash cast number fifty-eight. We have a lot to cover. But you know, it seems a lot has been happening over this last week. We're just gonna get right into it. Rob, what have you been playing? That's not really getting right into it, but I digress. Um. I'm, I've been playing a game I can't talk about anymore, and uh, I've also, I, instead of just starting on episode 3 of the Penny Arcade, Translate Precipice of Darkness, I started back on episode 1 because, frankly, I forgot what the fuck happened <laughs> for the most part, so I just started over, and since I got that super cheap pack on Steam, because Steam, making me spend money, games I already have, uh, started it over again, so played episode 1, beat Lollipop Chainsaw, uh, just yesterday, actually. Uh, I've been playing Amazing Spider-Man some more. And, uh, yeah, that's more or less it. So. Nick? I have finally beaten Mass Effect 2 for the second time. I am done with that game. You will not hear me say that I'm playing it again unless... I, need, I don't know why I'd ever need to go back. but um, No, so I'm, I'm ready to move on to new stuff. And I also finished up uh, Penny Arcade 3. So uh, there should be a re- review coming for that shortly. Okay. Uh, Mikey? Uh, I was playing League of Legends, as always. Uh, and I played some The Walking Dead Episode 2, which was r- really good. Uh, Storyline is still keeping me interested. I just wish that they wouldn't take forever to release the next episode. Like, I can't... I can't even remember when the first one came out. Was it like a month or two ago? Uh, yeah, like a month or so. I don't know, that it just seems... be considered a long time by most people's yeah. standards. <laughs> that's, that's, but for an episodic content thing, I don't know. I, I feel like they should be shorter spaced out. But... You want them weekly? Bi-weekly? Because they already seem like they're already done. You the chance to buy them. <laughs> have people the chance to buy the episode before the but next one. But there. I honestly forgot I even had the Walking Dead episode one. Like, if we didn't even, I didn't even remember about it until, like, someone mentioned Walking Dead Episode 2 all of a sudden. I was like, oh, oh, okay, I'll play that now. All right. 
See, like, I don't even, like, until, like, we got, I don't think until we got that PR that I realized that the second episode was coming. Then how rabid are you for it, really? (laughs) (laughs) For it, like, right after I play it, but then, then, like, it vanishes from my mind after a while. Oh. Oh. I guess I shouldn't really even care about Half-Life 2 Episode 3 at this point, then, huh? Oh. What? (laughs) So I shouldn't even care? By Mike standards, yeah. Oh, Half-Life. Oh, that game. Really comparing The Walking Dead to Half-Life. Like, are we really? Like, you're really going to make that comparison? Hey, I'm just saying, like, that's episodic content. And it exists, goddammit. It it exists. Are you sure? I am positive. I'm positive. Gabe told me the other day when I took food down to the basement. If he's in the basement, how is he going to make it? He's got other people for that. He's a boss. How is he able to contact other people to make it if he's in your basement? They already know what they're doing. It's all good. It's taken when care Jeff of. When says go to the basement, he means took some drugs. Don't, don't <laughs> mess with the code. It's been like this forever. We just don't talk about it. Jesus. Mikey, you're ruining the magic of the Mashcast. Yeah, with logic. What the fuck? <laughs> anyway. Obviously, Gabe and Luke used his telepathic powers to talk to the other Valve people. They're all telepaths. Duh. I'm going to get a lot of angry emails about this. Like, you need to kick Mikey off Mashcast. He ruins the magic. I'm going to get that. You're going to get we- that? Yeah. You're going to get that because you email it to yourself. You know, it started because <laughs> Gabe's been contacting people telepathically. <laughs> I forgot that Gabe Newell is basically like the reincarnation of God. So apparently in the gaming world. I forget. Gabe Newell's the Higgs boson. Let's move well, on. No. <laughs> I was waiting for a Higgs boson. Jared's reference. basement too, right? <laughs> yeah. and That's where they discovered it. <laughs> but go ahead, Mikey, finish up. And I've been playing I played a little bit of Melty Blood Actress again. Okay. I don't even know what that I've never even heard of that game it's, before. It's a uh, it's an import, uh but it it's not really an import. I kinda it's a download that fighting game that didn't really hit so well in the States. Uh so I got a copy of it from a friend and been playing it a little bit, trying to practice to get better at it. It's like a two D anime style fighter. Uh very, very deep combat system. There's like three different kinds of meter you can use between uh, the crescent moon gauge, the half moon gauge, and the full moon gauge. Each one has their own special little properties about them. I could literally like, it would take me an hour to explain this game, so I'm just going to cut it off at that. It's very in-depth, very interesting, but graphics are not impressive. It's an older game that was remade, from what I can tell, and it's kind of meh. I mean, it's a good game, but, like, eh, the characters are stereotypical. The com like, the only thing, the I mean, I guess the one thing about it that makes it amazing is that it's a really good in-depth fighter, which is what fighting games should always be about. But sometimes it's nice to have good visuals, but it's fun. If you can ever find a copy of it, grab, try to download it. Hey, hey, Mikey, Mikey, I have a yeah. question. Sure. How's the voices? <laughs> well considering it's in Japanese, uh they're not annoying as piss. Uh so Okay. <laughs> I'll go into my list now. You should uh, do that. That was a callback. You weren't here for that. <laughs> oh no, I listened last week. I got what you were saying, but it was kinda of like, like, Oh yeah, the voices are fine. 
Voices are better. Yeah, my kids are from together. It was weird. Yeah. Voices are better than what they are in theaters. But anyways. Yeah. <laughs> right, so um, my list is a little long because you know I've been gone for two weeks. Um, well, I I finally I did finish Uncharted two. I thought I was like an hour away from the end of that game, and then I found out I was like four hours from the end of that game, which is like great because you know it extended the experience. But at the same time, like uh, I really kind of need to beat this game. I'm ready to move. I'm ready to move on now. Um, so, I mean that that was cool. Um, the, the some of those enemies toward the end. Uh, if anybody that played for it play, hasn't played that that yet, I don't want to spoil it. But they were kind of annoying because it took fucking a ridiculous amount of ammunition to kill these things. But. Yeah, Uncharted has tended to do that near the end of the game, which is why yeah. I like the end of Uncharted 3, in a sense, because of what they did with it. But, yeah, it's hard to explain without ruining the yeah. Well, the, after yeah, fighting those things, the end of Uncharted 3, I mean, the end of Uncharted 2 for me was like, that was cake. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Oh, definitely. That was a piece the of boss cake. is like, okay. After fighting those guys, <laughs> Wait, I'm like... are you talking about, okay, which Uncharted boss are you having issues with, and which Uncharted boss do you think is, like, super easy? I didn't have any it wasn't issues. A boss. Yeah, it wasn't He's a boss, talking yeah. about the last slate of enemies that you face in Uncharted 2 versus yeah. the last boss in Uncharted 2. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I, yeah. Yeah, so... But I did beat it. I did enjoy it. I started Uncharted 3. I'm up to chapter 10... And so far, I'm just not feeling that Uncharted magic. Like, I, like I mean, it's a good game. It's not a bad game, but I, I feel like I like at this stage in Uncharted Two, I was having a much better time. Like, I, I played Uncharted Two like from like chapter one to like chapter twenty, I think twenty four, like in a few in a few days span. Like, I was addicted to it, and then I kind of fell off because you know, I had to go like you know work. So, uh, um. <laughs> I, you know, I fell off it, but this one I'm finding it very easy to put down. Like it's not really capturing me, um, you know, so far. But you know, it's not a bad game. I'm still playing Child of Eden, and I I, I, I sip Child of Eden. <laughs> I, 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 I sip Child of Eden because you know I play a little bit, I feel real good, and I'll go do something else. You know. You, you, okay, you I was going to say, here? don't. Oh God. What? I said, do you play with your pinky out when you're sipping it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, one pinky out while I'm playing Child of Eden. Oh my god. <laughs> I was just going to say, be careful about what you say next, because this could get weird. Oh yeah. It's yeah. going to get you, really weird. You stayed away from that cliff, so very good job. Good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that that's good. So, this next game, right? I, I was about to say, did you actually play that game? Why? <laughs> yeah, I, this is why. Because I was like, you know, uh, this was around the time that um I thought it was a radical closed. This is around the time of radical closed. And I was thinking about doing an editorial where I would talk about, you know, games that were good, but because they didn't reach sales expectations, the studio closed. Okay. Um so I picked up body count. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I, I, it was like twenty bucks. So I was like, I'll I'll pick it up, I'll play it. Cause it it can't be that bad, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Wrong. Fuck Wrong. that. Fuck <laughs> that shit, yo. I don't even know how they released the game. When they released that game, they should just be like, no. Like, when they showed the game, like, here, here's the final product. This is what we're going to release. They should be like, no, no. We're not even going to waste the money of shipping this game. That, it was, it was bad. 
<laughs> like the, the, it was one of the worst shooters I've ever played in my entire life. Not just from you know a shoot, well, just you know the shooting perspective. Period. Um, the enemy AI, the level design. Um, oh, the the movement, like uh, you in that game when you aim, like when you when you when you aim down the sights, you can't move left or right because when you hit left or right, you lean. So the first time I did it, I got lit the fuck up. I I, I I pulled it, and then I was like, okay, go left. And my character leaned left, and the enemy was like, ah, fuck you, and then killed me. So they, uh, it was terrible. Absolutely terrible. And whoever whoever worked on that game, you never, ever, please, do n- never make a first-person shooter again. I know the studio's closed, but the devs are still out there. <laughs> they're still out there in the wild it's just Never weird too because it was like again. a spiritual successor to black and black was decent yeah. and that was, was not, not. <laughs> at all it's like so you basically didn't bring back anybody from the actual team that worked on the game you just made a spiritual successor to it that's not spiritual successor in any way shape or form i thought criterion worked on black yeah but it, it the, but that's what body count was hailed as though and i think that there were supposed to be people from the other team that worked on it but obviously fucking not so the game was terrible man absolutely horrible so you, I could see, you could see enemies like spawning and then coming at you and you know how like you play um like time crisis and enemies like run on the screen and then they turn and then they start shooting at you. It was like that. Enemies like will like run up to a certain spot and then start shooting at me. It was bad. And you know another thing that really pissed me off? I turned the game off after this. Um I got to a point where they're like, I need to find this key. Uh so I found the key and I went to the place where I had to use the key. It was using the padlock. I'm sorry, but I'm pretty sure I have a, a, a handgun in my hand and a rifle on my back. Those are my keys. For locks like that. I hate games that do that. If you're going to make me go get a key or an item to unlock a door, it better be worth it. So it was just bad. Like I, I, I was pissed off. I was pissed off about that game. I'm confused, though. They closed Master's Close? No, no, no. Well, they closed that section that, oh that okay studio. okay that's what i was confused about because i'm like wait a minute when yeah. do they close though a, a, a couple of months ago um well actually a couple months after body count came out they said we're closing that studio and we're going to focus on racing games only um so for now i be honest with you i hope they bring back grid and stop raping dirt for a little bit <laughs> <laughs> i really do but um other than that i uh playing max Payne 3 still um i'm back up to the part where i stopped on console and just just replaying the game on PC is well, such a wonderful experience because it's PC at 60 frames per second. The aiming is so much better, um, and then, like playing on hard, like you kind of have to put you playing on normal. If you want to, you can use the duck and cover and play that way. But that's not that's not the way Max Payne would maybe play it on hard. You kind of have to play like there are certain parts that you have to just get out there and you know be running around dual uzis shooting enemies rolling on the ground get up reload fuck him you know like all that like it was awesome game like uh, and playing on hard you have to do that and i just had a really really good hard a uh, really good uh, t- 
time playing it. <laughs> exactly. It sounds like saying a really good hard on, but I got caught that. I was like, ah. Oh, he's he's just straddling that line really close to that. <laughs> just, man, this is not going to be good. He's just really excited to be back on the mash cast. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, excited I am. about games, video games, boners. <laughs> oh, yeah. Rock hard. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, let's see. Uh, Quantum Conundrum, I've been, I played. Um, what did you think? I'm kind of curious. Um, it's it's not a bad game, and for fifteen dollars, I can't complain. I do think it is pretty easy though. It, like the puzzles I've come across have just been very. It feels really simple, you know. And uh, I didn't go in expecting it to be Portal or as as creative as Portal or anything like that. So that's not the issue. I knew most of the um most of the puzzles will deal with weight in some in some aspect, you know. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, it's just, you know, it's a good game. I I I don't like the, the uh, well who's it the uncle? He annoys me sometimes cuz his jokes just aren't funny to me. Yeah. What did you think of the books though lying around? The books are pretty the books are kind of interesting. And I'm, I was actually surprised at myself that I recognized all these titles. <laughs> because I don't read books like that, you know. But um, yeah, like the books are kind of entertaining. Uh, the puzzles aren't that difficult. Um, and you know, the uncle, like I said, I, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of his jokes, but he's not annoying. You know. How long have you played it? I'm just uh, curious. Uh, I've been, I've played it. I think for about an hour and a half, two hours. Okay, because I mean, like I haven't played it personally, but it's, from what I've seen of it, like it must take a, it must take a leap then, because there's there's like a kind of a thing going around where it's like you know you feel like a fucking moron for a while until you solve like that puzzle so i guess that there's a point where you're like oh oh this shit just got real i guess and and things take a turn like towards (laughs) more serious puzzle you know puzzling i don't know yeah like it's it's not a long game i know it's only like maybe four or five hours long i guess it must soon (laughs) it must be soon yeah because like i don't Go ahead. The only thing I, I'm sorry. The only thing I don't like is like there's. It's really I don't know about you, but did you find the platforming hard? No, that's gonna like, be boss. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I mean, just because the Not camera in a way, just like, boss. <laughs> like you, like it just seemed like the camera was against me sometimes when jumping. I don't know. No, I didn't find the platforming hard. Even I have to admit, the only time I really tripped up is the first time, uh, that first slow motion puzzle. Oh yeah, slow mo puzzles were weird at first. Took time to get used to how much you actually slow. Exactly. Yeah, the very first one, I, I stumbled a bit. Um, and it's funny because they, <laughs> they, uh, the the developer said she wanted to be a family friendly game, right? She was that's what she was going for. And I'm like, okay, but like when you fail or when you hit by a laser or when you drop into a hole, it definitely says you died. <laughs> you know, like I was like, really? I died. I I'm a kid. You just killed me. That's what you're worse than GTA. But um, yeah. So Quantum Gnomes are. It was definitely it's worth the money. You know, it's some it's it's a good game. Uh, picked up Future Soldier for PC. Another game that I got for TF2 items. <laughs> um, uh, and they address some issues like the graphical, like the graphics. It now looks like a AAA title should look graphics wise. Uh, I got to run it at 60 frames. It's real good. Um, 
had a bit of a scare in the beginning because when I first started playing, it was like it, my mouse didn't work. And I was freaking out, but then I realized my controller was hooked up to my uh, to my keyboard. So I unplugged it, and I was like, oh, okay, so they automatically detect controllers on PC. Uh, so, yeah, that was, that, that was the only real scare I, <laughs> I had with the game. But they still have some of the, some big problems, like, um, well, the AI has been adjusted for PC. Like, the enemies, when they're actually, when you're actually engaged in combat, are a bit smarter. But other than that, they're still the same old enemies, you know? That's the thing, like, they're, they still have a problem where they might not be looking in your direction, but for somehow they detect you. They have that. The lip sync is still messed up during cutscenes. Um, so, like, it, it, and also the button, like, um, while you're playing, it has on the HUD what button you need to press to, like, you know, s- swap through items. Those buttons are Xbox buttons still. <laughs> so, uh, they didn't adjust that for PC. Um, I haven't had a chance to play the multiplayer, but I'm assuming I, I like the multiplayer on console, which I hate console multiplayer typically. So I'm pretty what? positive. I'm pretty positive. I'm going to like it on PC a, a lot better. Um, but it's a, it's a good game. It does have its flaws. It definitely it could have been a, an excellent game, but they just need to clean it up a bit. So, but I played that, and then uh, Spec Ops: The Line, which that game like it was under my radar, honestly. And I picked it up, I played the demo, and then the thing that got me with the demo was that, you know, uh, it was, uh, it's a, it's a third-person shooter with limited ammo. So you kind of have to, you hit, you have to be careful what you do, you know, with your bullets. You actually want to make sure you're hitting people. Um, and the game just blew me away. Like, did anybody else here play it? Mm-mm. I kind of just passed by it, because I was like, oh, great, another shooter. So, yeah. So first of all, like the gameplay itself. I mean, I played the demo, but the only thing that really got me was the story seemed like that it was interesting, but the game seemed generic otherwise. The story, I'm going to get to the story. (laughs) The game itself, in terms of mechanics, first of all, the level design, for the most part, is really, the, the level design was put together very, very well. The AI, they, you know, your military, their military, they act like they're trained the same way you do. Like they, um, they, you know, they'll they'll have enemies that'll lay down suppressing fire, and they won't shout laying down suppressing fire. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they will just suppress you, and you're so busy engaged with that person that you don't even notice the other two guys that are coming around to your left to flank you. You know, the way the AI plays it. They push forward when they think they have an advantage. They 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 pull back when they know that they don't. So the gameplay is good. It really is. And the whole limited ammo thing definitely takes its toll. You know, I've had some intense moments where I didn't have, like, I've, I had 13 rounds. You know what I'm saying? 13 rounds, and there's, like, five or six enemies left with, he- with, with, with helmets on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it is actually, the, the, the gameplay itself is very good. That story... It's fucked up. Like that, that story will twist. It, it is such a twisted story. Like it, I'm writing an editorial about the story, trying my best to not give any major spoilers. But the thing is, like the the we are so accustomed to and 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 as gamers and just entertainment in general, you are so accustomed to like you know 
that guy coming in, being the hero. And the at the end of the day, you know, he saves the day. You know what I'm saying? Even though there might be a price to pay or, uh, you know, people get killed along the way. Bad things happen. Like, he's that guy. He's the, he's, you know, he's doing the right thing. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Even though there's trials and tribulations in place. That is not what the story is about. And the thing about it, you don't realize what the story is about until after the game is over. And you get a chance to analyze everything together. When you play through the entire game and then you piece everything together, you realize what the story is really about. And I don't want to say <laughs> I don't want to say it um, because, I, you know, go ahead. When you say what the story is really about, do you mean sort of like the overall theme of the story? Like you're unable to get the theme because you're so busy playing it? Or are you talking like the actual events and sort of everything that was going on overall that you didn't understand? Because, again, you're in the middle of the action, so you're only aware of what's going on in your immediate vicinity. And you're not able to really piece the the, the overall arc of events together until you've seen everything play out. Both. Like both the theme of the game, you know, both the theme and what's happened in the game and why it's happened you know you don't understand all that until the game's over like i can tell you it is not a hero story it is not the game is not about a hero it's not about saving the day it really isn't okay it it, it really like you like you you, it is how how long is this how long did it take you to beat this uh about took me about 10 hours Okay. About ten so, hours to beat the game. So, so if that's ten hours because your boss, it'd be like fifteen hours for a normal person. <laughs> hey, you could put it on easy. <laughs> You're funny. So, but um, yeah, that 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 story is something else. Like I've never like that story. It made it, it, it kind of like I was gonna say it changed the way I thought, but you know, it kind of like put questions into my head about hero stories. Have have we seen a game that's sort of done, I guess, the deconstruction of the hero in yeah. such a manner like this before? Or is this really the, the, the I guess, the first notable instance of that coming up? Because I guess, I mean, you might, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I know that, like, would, would, would any of the Max Payne games count as, like, hero deconstruction? Or those are all just straight? But the, the thing is, like, Max Payne is still a hero at the end of those games. He's still doing the right thing. You know, technically speaking. I mean, he's breaking a million laws, but at the end of the game, you know, he's still a good guy. You know, that, that's the thing I'm he's still the anti-hero he's intended to be. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Does does this sort of uh, I guess does the nature of this story does this sort of because uh, there was that guy a few weeks ago who was complaining that war games aren't real. Um, does the nature of this story and I guess some of the tribulations that you go through does this contribute to the realism without necessarily requiring you know accurate weaponry or, or, or super realistic physics? Does the sort of the experience feel more? I guess give you does it sort of give you the impression like this is sort of how terrible war is in a way does it carry that weight in a way yes you know in a in a way yes I mean the, the entire thing is fictitious is fictitious like the situation is fictitious um you know it never happened but it's allegedly it's it's based on Heart of Darkness if I'm not mistaken right yeah uh, by Joseph Conrad. as far as themes but as as not themes. necessarily yeah the situation is fictitious. But like from you know after after beating the game and I looked at everything at every situation why he went there why you know the other commander did what he did all this stuff like a lot of stuff that happened in the game would happen in real life you know 
has been like it's like um like for example uh, one thing I can tell you about being I, I spoil because it it's in the it's in the demo but um you, the uh what they do is they kind of set up these uh they set up like kind of like a martial law thing in this area because this disaster has hit which would happen in real life like if there was if there was an area they got cut off from communication from like kind of the rest of the world and the military was there and you needed order that they would set up camps, you know, for, to feed people, to give people water, to do all these different things. And they would set up like, you know, like a military law at that time. And that's, you know, that's, that's what happens in the game. Or at least that's the way it starts off happening. You know, you can see that stuff in place. So, you know, like that, there are things that are, are realistic, you know, but it's just, um, I would say it definitely, uh, it's definitely, it doesn't glorify war. It actually makes war look horrifying, <laughs> you know, to be honest with you. Uh, the character development, that's, I think me and you talked about it, they don't have character development in, in like, third person and first person shooters, really. You know what I'm saying? Like, even, th- like, think about it, like, what kind of character development is on Master Chief? Or character development for Gordon Freeman or Marcus Phoenix, you know what I'm saying? Like, what kind of character development? I, I thought crying about your father was. Where's the- my wife? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, this game had character development not just in cutscenes, but in the actual gunfights themselves. Like, you go from you know. Because there's a lot of chatter back and forth while you're talk while you're fighting, both on the other side and on your side. And while you're fighting, like you know, when you first you start off fighting, you know, you shoot a guy in the head, like oh, kill confirmed, and you just go, you know, you go to the next guy, or you know, you continue to talk military talk. And then by the time you get to the end of the game, your guy, like you know, um, the the main character is so like frustrated and mentally unraveled and, and beat down that he shoots money and he's like got the fucker like that's what like, that's what he says like the game changes like attitudes change and not dra- not like suddenly over time these things start to change at a good pace and you can see just the damage on him like by the time you get to the end of the game like the main character has is he's missing an ear and part of his face is burned up you know, mm-hmm. I mean, he crashed in a helicopter. That you see that part in the beginning of a demo. That mm-hmm. shit, it'll do that shit to you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, you know, he's messed up. Um, the his his uh, his uh, his um, you know, squad mates they get messed up and they see it. And I, it was just such an amazing game to me. Maybe because I wasn't expecting it at all. But in turn, they definitely did things that third person shooters or shooters in general just really don't do. Well, you know? don't. Aren't some of the best things like coming from like the small like things that we don't expect? Like, yeah. isn't like the some of the most fun that we've like had with a game? Like, is it, it comes from a game that we didn't expect to be good? Yeah, you're absolutely right. So I would it, go ahead. Oh no, I'm just gonna say it seems. I guess it it almost seems like the 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 shooter as as a as, as a uh, as a genre. It seems that it's so overplayed and so overexposed, but it's also generic. Um, even then, like when you first brought up the game, like Mikey was like, "Oh, that's just you know another shooter." That's what I thought but too. I, I, fe- I feel like there's a lot of depth there for, to, for these types of games to really explore, explore and sort of mine mine the genre and, and come up with some real gold. And it's a shame, I think, that a game like that can easily be overlooked because it's just one title of many, uh, most of which are, you know, just just rehashes and the same old thing. 
Yeah, like most shooters, people don't care about the story. But even though the gameplay was actually very good in this game, the story stole the show. And that's rare. You know, like there's also there are tons of games where the story is good, but the gameplay sucks. You know, but like the 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 gameplay was excellent, and then the story was good on top of that. Are you serious? Like it was great. I would highly recommend that game, and I hope from what I said, I don't I don't spoil it, so people get the same, uh, you know, same uh, it gets treated the same that I did, like to that surprise. But I'll probably go see if I can't rent it or something. Try to yeah, find a rental copy. But uh, I guess it's finally time to move into the topics. <laughs> what, what's the first topic that we have to talk about what what genre is it about first person shooters yes with everybody's favorite game call of duty yes but this time it's not meant for us it's meant for the chinese what yes i That's like that reaction. I, 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 I want i want all my call of duty i want it here okay well here's the here's the deal don't worry if it succeeds well enough you probably will get it <laughs> <laughs> well, well here's the deal like call of duty online was announced uh, and the trailer was shown. Basically, Call of Duty Online, it's a free-to-play Call of Duty, but for the most part, it's maps from the multiplayer of Call of Duty 1 and 2. Okay? Uh, in terms of, I guess, uh, mission content, or maybe even single-player content, uh, actually, I don't even think they said they were going to have single-player content. Everything is going to be mission, like, everything is going to be, you know, online multiplayer, but there will be missions that they'll be able to download, you know, at piecemeal, you know, since it's free to play, they pay a couple dollars, uh, you know, microtransaction, and get the mission. Knowing Activision, it might be $5 a piece. <laughs> but, um, hey, it's a free-to-play Call of Duty made for the Chinese market. And if anything, this really shows that developers, not developers, but publishers are looking at the free, at the free-to-play, um, uh, not market, but the free-to-play uh, uh, pay model as a way to defeat piracy. That's the big thing about going into China. Uh, piracy. Like, nobody likes going into China in terms of software. Nobody likes going to China because of piracy. And now with the whole free-to-play boom, a lot of developers, well, a lot of developers are thinking just more ways that, not developers, the publishers, think more ways they can get into your pockets, but others are actually stretching into new markets, you know, because now, okay, well, they they can download it for free, they can play it, and they have to come to us for the content, right? You know, that's maybe what yeah, they're going. Makes with. sense. Then again, I don't. It depends how the game is coded, but some of these games, like uh, they have, in order to see certain weapons or um, certain weapons or uh, uniforms, I guess, or, or looks they would need to have the data on their PCs. So who knows? Somebody, some Chinese hacker may be able to <laughs> unlock that form and then the, the model fails anyway, but who knows? All right, anybody else have any thoughts on it? Uh, it's, it's an interesting idea, but I, I guess it's hard for me to see how it will work considering... I'm so used to how Call of Duty exceed, succeeds so well in just its normal market the way it is. So it's hard for me to like grasp how well this might do. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, if anything, it's going to reduce the amount of pirates. You know? Like, some people will play and be perfectly fine with the free-to-play stuff that they have. While others may want to buy 
uh, the weapons because it's easier, and then others are, may find a way around it. Who knows? That's the thing. I mean, even even in the as well as, well as Call of Duty does in all of its other markets, last year it was the number two pirated game. Still, Damn. People, people still pirated a whole lot, you know? And not that those are lost sales or anything like that. I think this is just a way for um, Activision to to get into the Chinese market and not have to worry as much about piracy. And that's another thing. In order to get... Uh, I should probably should have mentioned this first, but in order to sell stuff like that in China, you just can't be a U.S. company or a company outside of China and then sell stuff in China. You have to, like, partner up with a Chinese company to yeah, get Yeah, which is why sold. they partnered up with Tencent. Yeah, so... You know, that's another thing. Like, it, you know, if, if, if they partner up with Tencent, Tencent's the one that localizes it for them and, and makes this, you know, online client that works out rather than them, you know, making a localized copy of Call of Duty 1 through 3 or Modern Warfare 1 through 3 themselves and then finding a partner to partner with for distribution. You know, it makes business sense. I I really have anything negative to say about it. I mean, it makes business sense for them to, for them to do it this way. Yeah, no, it makes sense, and it makes sense to go free to play to do it. I'm my, what I really wonder is that for the really for the most part, I mean, it does well globally, but Call of Duty is very very much Western oriented, like as far as content and the storylines, things of that nature. And sure, you take out the story, you know, storylines such as they are. And it's just multiplayer, but even that, like even even the idea of you know who's the good guy versus who you're fighting, who's the terrorist, has always been very very Western. And like it's, I mean, even the trailer is still you know uh, English <laughs> slash you know American guy. Like yeah, we fought to so they, you know the world wouldn't fall apart and blah 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 do. But it's like well. How's that translate for China? Are we gonna have are you gonna have guys running around in Chinese uniforms? Is it going to be Chinese oriented or is it just gonna be Call of Duty that's just localized language? I don't know if it catches on if there's no you know, like the same way that how many Americans would sit there and play a game where, you know, you're you're Russians and everything is, you know, Russian oriented and you're fighting against the big bad, you know, European and American nations like how how much is it going to catch on there is what I wonder in the same sense like how, how much China is going to even give a shit well I mean the, the, the focus is multiplayer well I know so. but still there's still a lot of imagery and the way that the game's set up like it's kind of like you know would it, would anybody in Iraq want to really play modern, like Medal of Honor you know like it's kind of the same thing like you, all you see is like well you're the bad guy so and and look at these these white guys running in. They're the superheroes. They're they're the heroes. You know, like multiplayer is kind of the same way. Well, how how much how much of that trailer is even actually what's going to be in that game? Because well, I mean, if it's a game for Chinese audiences, why even have an American trailer? Well, that's it, what I mean. Yeah. So I, I don't like. Who, that's why I'm curious about who's what the intended audience for that. Right. Well, I, the I game mean, like, is I'm only thinking, being released in China. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. So yeah. I'm like, the, yeah. are you basically just taking Call of Duty and, and putting it, you know, like just selling it to Chinese people, but not really changing much about it, not not really localizing it, but just localizing language? I don't think it necessarily catches on. Then I, I don't think that they care. They just see another game where we're glorifying, you know, Americans and you know. But who plays Call of Duty to glorify Americans in America? <laughs> uh you seriously? seriously? I mean, yeah. like the the answer may not be very overt. But it's 
it's pretty well ingrained in the, you know, like, fuck yeah, hoorah, muck in America, explosions. Like, <laughs> there's the mentality, even if that's not the express reason. As I mean, look at how many military people play it, things of that nature. I'm not saying good or bad, but I'm saying that there is very much like a, a very high, like, pro-Western, pro-American overtone in Call of Duty. And, but not, and not, I don't see it succeeding over in China if it keeps that. But not necessarily in multiplayer. I can see China not going well in China because China just doesn't... as a, they're, they're, That market doesn't like shooters all that much. Because even, like, as of now, like, I really don't know of any shooters that are big in China. You know? Right. I know a lot of MMOs that are big over there and other types of games, but not shooters per se. So for that reason, I'd say, okay... It may not do so well in China, but like the multiplayer, like it doesn't matter if you're U.S. forces or whatever the you know whatever the other opposing forces it doesn't make a difference. I really think you'd be surprised, though. I yeah. think you'd be surprised at how much nationalism, you know, like patriotism, nationalism has to do with like how you perceive certain things. You know, I'm surprised if, they'd be allowed to play American forces over there. I expect everybody to be Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's another thing too because they're very heavy on censorship but i guess that's why you have to partner with a chinese business but um i mean to me i kind of just see this as like a way to say like oh we put a game together it's good enough like let's bring it up everywhere else in a sense like it, i don't even know if they are even really expecting it to do super well in china I, I think maybe it's just like well it gives us a revenue stream there so people don't necessarily always pirate our game every year and or pirate our games to other people because that happens too. They don't necessarily pirate games to sell in China. They pirate games to sell other other places. Um, but I see it more as an experiment to say that like, okay, we've got this thing. We have a, a tiny revenue stream here. We can say we're doing something overseas in China. And look, we got this big free to play game now. We can release everywhere else without having to change too much. I don't know. It's just thoughts that come to my head is about real actual localization of things. Okay. Um, well, so, yeah, well, there's that. <laughs> there you go. Me in China. Uh, we'll just see how successful it is or not, because I don't think it's going to do that well. But uh, uh, we'll see. Uh, but uh, moving on to our next topic. Uh, the EU, or I say the Court, Just, Court of Justice, oh, the, the EU Court of Justice has determined that uh, a publisher or, uh, you know, uh, well, yeah, a publisher or someone who owns, like, a, a game or, you know, software and distributes it digitally, they cannot lock you into that license, meaning you can resell it. It is yours to resell. I'm actually going to read, um, you know, a portion of, what, you know, what they said. It says, an author of software cannot oppose the resale of his used license, allowing the uh, the use of his programs downloaded from the Internet. Uh, such a transaction involves a transfer of the right of ownership of the copy. Therefore, if the license prohibits a further transfer, the right holder can no longer oppose the resale of that copy. So basically, digitally distributed games can be resold with you know without breaking the license. Um, be honest with you, I don't know who has a license that said you couldn't resell this game. This to me is more of a moral victory than anything. Um, it doesn't really mean anything, especially because the methods of digital distribution, for the most part, uh, well, the more popular ones, Steam and, and Origin, uh, even Gamersgate, you know, there is no 
there's no function, there's no tools that allow you to transfer licenses. So it's not that, you know, they're locked to your accounts. So, I mean, if you want to sell your account to somebody, that's one thing, which I don't think nobody, I don't know anybody who stops you from doing that. I mean, people have been selling uh, WoW accounts for years, you know, since almost since the game came out, or in other MMOs in general. So, I would say the people who this impacts the most, because it goes for digital games, um, but also, you know, EULAs in general, so, you know, for hard copy games too, this is probably the most useful for, like, places like GameStop, Game, over in Europe, to the point, like, now EA or Activision, they can never say to them, you cannot sell our games used. They cannot say that to them at all. That wasn't the case before, but now they can't say it at all. This would only be helpful to consumers if that, you know, that that law um, for, forced, you know, distributors to, you know, put a method for you to sell your games or transfer licenses, at least. You know what I'm saying? To somebody else. It's not even, I mean, I mean, fundamentally it's about the license, but I guess basically, I mean, if there was a way that they can just copy sort of the install file and then delete it from your system fundamentally, then they're, you know, that would be the closest thing to the actual act of transferring goods from one digital device to another. Um, I wonder if maybe this isn't something that GameStop might be looking at and thinking if we can develop a tool that would allow us to say, I don't know, take a game and take it from your Android phone and then we'll take that game, store it somewhere, and then we can sell it to somebody else and put it right onto their Android phone for 85 cents instead of 99 cents. Um, I don't know if that'd really be worth it, but but this is all in Europe, though. So, I mean, well, we it's, know, so it's in Europe for a reason, too, actually. Um, there's a company called Usoft, and that's basically kind of what the ruling more or less had to deal with. Um, it, it, I don't think it specifically dealt with an EULA from any, any gaming publisher, but it dealt with the fact that Usoft, like, they, this is what they do, is they, they buy licenses from people and resell them, um, and they, or they have connections to, to buy and sell, like, you know, to move licenses for used software, basically. Um, and I... I don't know. I don't there. I haven't seen any even reading that entire freaking docket, like seen any instance where they specifically mention any ULA. But what they do is is deal in use software. So I guess that somebody ran up in contention against them and I guess it went to court. So I think that's the real reason that's it's coming down the pipe is because of this company. But I mean, obviously, it has bigger implications all around, but. I guess it really would depend on what happens in the U.S. too. Although I guess if it changed in Europe and they had to force, say, Origin or somebody to change their system to allow reselling of games, I don't know, then it would affect the U.S. too. But who knows? Isn't this the kind of thing though that if you know, like EA and and all the uh, oh, what's 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 their all little uh, little group that was all against uh, the ECA? The ECA. Thank you. Um, like if they all got together and pressured Congress to say, you know, in one of these, you know, one of those treaties that we have with Europe that, you know, like ACTA and whatnot that they're trying to push through, um, that they could be like, oh, by the way, you know, we want to make sure that, that licenses have to be, you know, can't be transferred and, and EULAs are totally enforceable, um, you know, if you're going to do business with us. I, I almost wonder if maybe this isn't how it is right now, but this isn't something that I guess the the vulnerability of our government can be used to sort of push it back over and, and undo this at some point in the future. The thing is, I don't even think they really care, and this is why. Uh, first of all, 
Um, the like I said, like I said a little earlier, there's no stipulation here that says that the provider has to provide a way for you to transfer the license. You know what I'm saying? And on, on second of all, I don't know of any EULAs that stop you from transferring license or selling a license to anybody. They get you in other ways. Like, uh, you know, for example, Steam. Your your licenses are locked into your account, or that's how they that's how they you know that's how you uh you know use your licenses because they're on your account. So you would have to sell your whole account if you wanted to give somebody a game. You just can't give somebody one game. Not that they're blocking you, but there's just no way to do it. Um, then there's other you know like other pieces of software like Windows. Actually, I don't even know if they do it like this anymore, or if they increase the amount of cores. But Windows used to be you can only install the software on two CPUs. You know that that was like back with with XP and stuff like that, but they never said you couldn't transfer, you know, the license to somebody, or they they lock how many software will lock how many uh, games you have on your account. So they really they typically not, not games, sorry, they they'll they'll you know you only have this many devices you can install, you know, this game on. They'll do. So you know, I really I, I really never see them work with the licensing, you know. Like typically, the whole the only part of the the license agreement uh, that deals with licensing, like like that, like you know, owning the license is that if you didn't pay for it, you have it illegally. You know, so if you you know, that's the thing. But but couldn't couldn't this come into play though? Like like I'm I'm thinking like you know you've got your your mobile phone and at, at some point you you know you reach end of life and you want to get a new mobile phone. Usually there are ways for transferring all the ap- applications you have on the one phone over to the other. But if there are any applications you don't want that you don't want transferred over, when you take that phone and you return it somewhere, maybe you resell that phone. Now you've got software on there that that may very well have a legitimate aftermarket price, and that could jack up the price of your phone. I don't know, you know, ten dollars, twenty dollars, and and that maybe you know there might be an interest from sort of a consumer standpoint of saying, hey, I want to get the full value of my phone and all this crap that I put on there. How can I go about doing that? And then there might be room in the marketplace for somebody to figure that out. Yeah, but that once again, that will require a stipulation that says you have to make it, you have to have some way for these people to resell their licenses. Right. Until they put that in there, this is useless. Well, no, I don't. I don't think you need. I don't think you need the stipulation to say that. I think you. Somebody needs to just go ahead and do that right now. I think we assume we can't do that, and nobody's done that because I think we oh, assume we can't do that. Yeah. But if somebody just goes ahead and does that, then that raises the question. I think, and that that fundamentally would go to whatever court. What'll happen? And, you know, it'll go to whatever court to get ruled on, wherever country that is. That now that there's actually a way to do that. Right now, it's all theory because nobody's done that. Yeah, if somebody does that, then if somebody makes a tool or some type of way to transfer the licenses, but. I'll tell you right now that like for a lot of these you know digital distribution platforms, that's not going to happen unless they're involved. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, if Steam doesn't want you, if Valve doesn't want you to transfer licenses, they don't have to provide a way right now. Gamers Gate Origin will be the last to pick it up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, but I, f- I feel like of, of any of them though, Origin's the one that would have it happen to them first. <laughs> I, I, I feel like any, anybody that could actually do this would probably like Valve and not really want to attack Steam. But we we all know EA's sterling reputation. I I feel like somebody might uh, could make a run at them. Maybe, yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah. Like I said I don't really see this as being useful to consumers yet. Um, like actually, I see um, when I was reading the articles about this, people were saying, oh, yeah, this is this means that you know they don't you don't they don't treat it like you own a license and that you actually own a product now, you know. And I'm just kind of like, 
licenses are products. This is not changing the way we deal with with licenses per se. Yeah. Once you like you you st- and like, I think it was a Jim Sterling. He says uh, that you know it says that uh, you know the companies are they're they don't have entitlement over their their games when they sell them. Yes, they do. They're they're not selling you the game. They're selling you the license to the game. But, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, the- but but fundamentally, I, this is undercutting that it's saying like no they you're they're selling you the game but no they're not so this thing like you're not purchasing the game you're purchasing the you're purchasing that, the that's, license. But see, but that's that's the semantical game that they've been playing that they want you to believe that and but I, that's I, I, still the case but but, it, but even it, the document said license but the license to the game is your ability to take that physical or not physical in this case game and be able to play it you know at your whim which is the thing that you can transfer which is what Basically, before it was kind of being bandied about to say, no, not really. Sorry, because we still own the rights to you being able to do that, more or less. But who was stopping you? Nobody. Like, if you had a physical copy of a game, you could sell that to whoever you wanted to. Well, DRM was stopping you more so than the ULA. But if you have problem with Steam, D- blah, blah, if you blah, have blah. a problem with DRM, you unless unless it's linked to unless it's like an account link DRM like Ubisoft, and where the licenses are latched into the account, which I've already addressed. But if you had a problem with DRM, you could call the company, you can call the publisher and get it unlocked. I had to do that with the first copy of Borderlands I had. You could do that. Like, you can call up, but hey, my install fucked up, you know, and now I, I can't get past the DRM or what was it? CD something. I forget what the, the, the it was whatever, whatever Sony DRM was that Borderlands came with. You can call and say, hey, this is messed up. And it won't let me register my game now on PC that I, you know, on my new PC. They weren't stopping you from transferring the license. Now I guess the only difference is, is you, you could call up and say, "Hey, my friend sold me the game." <laughs> you know, I have a physical copy of it. But should, you could probably do that before, and they wouldn't say anything to you about it. I kind of doubt that, but beyond that, this is like this is this is not nothing's changed for consumers. Except now they're just laying down the law saying that, yes, if it ever becomes available, if the method ever becomes available for you to transfer a license, you can do it. In the EU, not the United States. But in terms of licensing, like, you've always, like, you could if you buy a license, you could transfer a license, but with digital copies, there's no way to transfer a license from one way to another, or one person not, to another right now. Not a way that's not been yet. developed. And, that, and if somebody develops that method... Now what? You can't stop them. You can't take them to court for it. You can't sue them. I don't know. It doesn't change anything in the immediate future, but it can change things down the line. Maybe, but technically speaking, nobody was stopping them before and nobody developed it. Oh, trust me. If somebody developed a way to transfer licenses over those, they they would have gotten their asses sued off. But with what? The EOLA never says anything about transferring licenses. Yeah, it doesn't mean they won't take them to court for it under, some, under some pretense. Okay, hit him the court and then lose. Like that's the thing. Like, yeah. if, if, if it's not, <laughs> I, I if mean, it's, I'm not saying that. Yeah, the ULA specifically says this, but I'm I'm they. I'm sure that there is some way that they can say that you know we own ownership of this and and even or even just by developing the software, it's able to do it. That you're somehow undermining something that affects their you know their ability to to make a profit or be a run or be a business. Blah blah blah. Something. Does that even fully go to court, or does it wind up under the binding arbitration clause? Finding uh. <laughs> arbitration clause is, is that's a one way street. I think it's I think it's all a one way street. That tool does not exist to go your way at all. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. But I'm just saying, under current EULAs, just nothing says anything about transferring licenses, and they actually tell you that you that you they tell you that you own 
this license to this game. There's nothing's changed. But in other news, <laughs> we won't ever... Can I just <laughs> say, doing, like, yeah, I know I didn't say much, but holy crap, that was really interesting just to listen to y'all banter back and forth about. I didn't even want to interrupt y'all. I was like, this is too good. <laughs> oh, thank you. I hope the audience feels the same. <laughs> <laughs> I'm plugging oh. into their brain. Anyways. <laughs> All right, so uh, in other news, um, possibly another console coming to your living room if if that's what you want. Um uh, how do you pronounce this? Oya? O U A Y A. Oya. Oya. But it's a $99 Android based console by Eves Bihar, who also, he was, involved, he was involved in a couple other programs like uh, uh, Jawbone, Jambox, and One Laptop Per Child. Uh, but basically, it's, it's a $99 uh, Android based console that is going to focus on free-to-play games. Uh, basically, it's going to have a bunch of free-to-play games. Any developer can publish to it. And it's actually built to be hacked. So it, a developer kit is supposed to come with every one of them. And, uh, yeah. Sounds like chaos to me. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, as soon as I heard that any developer can publish to it, I'm like, that is going to be worse than the iTunes Store. Well- Anybody you can publish to Android now? Technically speaking, yeah. I don't. I, I mean, I don't see the difference between this and like an Android tablet that has like an HDMI out port. Right. And I already like the, the, a lot of big boys won't even get involved because it's built. It's built to be hacked. <laughs> like, you well, know, like well, how well, easy well, it is. Even to hack you it. need to worry about them not getting involved. I mean, because again, there's enough Android devices out there that presumably, as long as it's all running the same flavor, it should work on this. It should work on the, you know, a tablet. It should work on a phone. Yeah, there's a lot of fragmentation. As as, I mean, as long as the gra- as long as the graphics scale well, I don't see. I, I don't. I don't see why. I mean, it's if you're doing, you know, if you're doing one Android game, might as well do them all. Like, what is this going to be? <laughs> the, the the Apple TV, but for Android, is that what they're trying to accomplish here? See, this thing, it doesn't sound like to me like they, they want it to, it doesn't sound to me like they want it to be that way. It's, I think that they actually want it to be like a console console that stands up and people play serious games on it. But what, you know, not just Angry Birds. But do they specify like the graphics cards? Like It's still in development, so. It's, uh, well, we're, we're, I think we're pretty, we're pretty far from uh, actually having it developed. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. This sounds like a good idea, but no. It's, it's a good idea, bad idea scenario. Like, there's lots of things that sound amazing. Unfortunately, the world we live in, it tends to go out in the worst way possible. Yeah, I mean, I really don't see... Um, I mean, I, unless they... You know, of course, it's, it's far off, so who knows? They may show some amazing stuff. Like, hey, this is what runs on this console we have here. But, you know, I really don't see this being targeted toward more of a hardcore market. Not because, it, it you know, it's it's limited by that, but because it's too open. You know? Well, it's too open. Even if, um, you know, developers were to put DLC on it. Oh, not DLC, sorry, DRM on their games. You know how if it's if it's built to be hacked, like really, really hackable, like down to the core... You know how easy it will be for developers to, I mean, for hackers to break that now. I mean, look, look at what they do to the 360 and the PS3, which are already locked down. You know, PC games, which 
you know, uh, Windows is, is more open to console, but still, like, DRM is in place, you know, it, it's, it'll be more secure than a brand, like, a, a wide open system. Yeah, but I, I feel like anybody that would go that far to start pirating games, I don't think that's the target market here. This is almost sort of like it's a cheap, like, throw it in front of your TV and boom, you've got a console and look, you're video gaming now. Wow. Like I, I feel like their 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 audience is for people. It's like, hey, look, I play games on my phone. Why am I playing? Why am I not playing these games on my TV? Like I think it's a very simple. If you have the if you have the, at all the wherewithal to say like, hey, you know what, I can get this for free instead of two two bucks or whatever, then you're already not their target market. Yeah, I I guess so. Um, but then again, like who? If the target market's not uh you know the core. Who knows about this thing right now? Like, who's a really well, target? There's no product for them to know about. <laughs> the yeah. people that are going to buy this don't know about this, and that's fine at this point. Yeah, but like, I don't even know how they will get to know about because not backed by a major company. You know, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully, it, it does well. You know, <laughs> more consoles in the market, I guess, are kind of a good thing at this point. Like, you don't want too many consoles. But more would be like one more maybe wouldn't be so bad because then there's more competition. More more consoles for more developers to work on. Yeah, there you go. More money for you to spend. <laughs> but uh yeah, it's only ninety nine bucks, so it's not so bad. Turn. Yeah, not, it's not so bad for ninety nine bucks, but we'll see where uh that goes. Alright, so moving on to our next topic. There was an article on the PA report that talked about um layoffs and studio closures and how high risk the AAA develop you know game development is and um well, it, it was very you know pretty recent cuz it was it was funny cuz um Ben uh, Kuchera he was working on the editorial already and then you know the 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 layoffs at radical happened i think like a day before he was going to publish the editorial or he decided to publish it like the day after because that happened it was very timely but uh, the article discusses, you know, what actually goes into making a AAA title and why studios get closed down. You know, how much money has to go into a AAA title uh, before you know, before it's even released and how much money is needed, you know, back once, you know, the game is out and why, you know, games that are good that are a AAA title, but they just don't make as much money, um, you know they uh they why they why they you know studios get closed down you know bizarre radical all these different places um well the first he was interviewing uh what was this uh, keith fuller i think he and keith um was he was at raven software for 12 years and actually i think he was at radical at the time uh, i'm not exactly sure actually yeah so actually i think he was at radical but i may be wrong and i have to double check but um so Keith, he you know he's been he's been in the industry for a while. He's worked on plenty of AAA titles, so he you know he's a good source to go to uh, when you talk about this topic. And uh, he, he started off saying that it's difficult to know what you'll need and how long you'll need it. So first of all, that's if you if you're trying to budget anything, it's very if you don't know what exactly you need and how long you're gonna need it, that kind of throws your budget off. Uh, obviously, I mean, of course, by now they probably have a, a, a good, a decent grasp or a decent range on what they'll need. But with studios trying to 
push envelopes the way they are and, you know, and, and, and I guess uh, change gameplay just to make things interesting, I can totally see how that could stretch farther than, mm-hmm. you know. Especially well, if you're working on something no one's ever developed before, like you said, like a new gameplay type or uh, a new way to do things, you know, that could take forever testing and developing and you don't really know how long it'll take to develop something brand new. And you didn't, then you're still risking, if you're doing something new, you're risking the fact that it might not take off. Yeah, exactly. Like he, he was like, she, he was talking about uh, resources and people. And he was saying, you know, we, uh, once a green light is given on a project, uh, staff might swell up from 20, they might go from like, you know, go to like 20 to 30 people. And, you know, those 20, 30 people will do what they need to do uh, make tools, uh, get mechanics in place, uh, work on core mechanics and, and technologies, and you know stuff like that. And that the that, you know that's the, the game itself isn't even really in full production at that point. Once they have all that stuff in place, like they have the gameplay mechanics and you know certain technologies in place, then they'll move into full production where they you know now they have all these different widgets he called them, or you know different sections of programming that they might have to do, or different sections of programming or um, you know, uh, making character models, artwork, stuff like that, and the studio, you know, starts to to grow. So you know, you go from like thirty people to like you know eighty people, or maybe even two hundred people. And he says a game as large as Call of Duty requires hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, to to develop. And he says, you know, that he estimated that it's it's about ten thousand dollars per man month. Uh, when it comes to games like that, and he says a studio could be spending upward of a million dollars a month in production costs, and he says that's low because that's in the Midwest. If you go to like the West Coast and try to produce a AAA title, it would probably um, be higher than that. Uh-huh. And then you know, uh, the, he actually he talked about you know One Project Studios, which he brought up uh, Chaos Software or Chaos Studios for Homefront. And he says, you know, when you have a, a studio with multiple projects and you're running behind on one project or you need additional people on one project, you can pull them from another project. That's just shifting resources around. But when you're working on one project, you have to hire more people, which means not only do you have to get more, you have to get more money from your publisher, you know, more upfront money to pay these people. But then, like, you know, there's a higher chance of layoffs, like right after the project's done. That was the most interesting thing to me is that, you know, like the, I I mean, it makes sense in a production sense that you would ramp up and then you'd, you'd ramp down, you know, number of people on a project. But the thing that's interesting is that the thought process that immediately comes thereafter where you're like, well, there's a bunch of studios that like one game and that's it. So what do those other fucking people do? And unfortunately, I guess that's basically the answer is that they don't do anything else they get fired (laughs) in a lot of cases unless the game i guess does really well and they can spin off or work on another project but i guess it brings in the broader question of like when you have publishers that are like okay well you've done all these other things but we want you to do you know you have this one ip that we're really interested in and we want you to do that and we're going to acquire you to work on just that then like is that really the best use of a studio's you know, personnel and time and money, you know, or the publisher's money in that case. I, like it, it, it starts to create a picture where you're like, wow, I can see why AAA is kind of fucked up in a way, but I don't know. That's just interesting, but go on. Cause there's more, I guess, really. Yeah. Well, he, you know, he, after that, he talks about, you know, um, 
as as uh you know the budgets get higher because you know you know pr- problems happen while you know during you know the production process you know you run into a problem with code things just don't work in the way they are i mean as many bugs as we see in games when they release there's way more bugs before they get released and on top of that the more people you have working on a game the more problems you're going to run into the more hands in the pot the worse it becomes so yep. you know the more chefs in the kitchen i should say <laughs> but uh <laughs> Uh, you know, fixing those problems, you know, that's time consuming. Therefore, it's money consuming and it's expensive. And as the production becomes more expensive, uh, you know, so you sell, you know, sales expectations go up with that. So as production costs go up, sales expectation goes up. So, you know, you might have a game, let's say Blur, for example, you know, uh, because of some problems they might have had on Blur or even Prototype. Uh, and it, it caused the, the the cost to go up, you know, just because the, the, the you know the game actually might have originally hit sales what the original sales expectation was, or even sold well, you know, but because the uh, you know the production cost so much, uh, not necessarily because of poor planning, but but just because of something that happened, you can have a, a publisher say we didn't make enough money back, so we're going to close the studio. It's not worth it to us. You know, but we can't pay for this anymore. That sucks. Un- unfortunately, that's kind of way it works. Which brought something up else in my mind because it seems like the bulk of the money is spent in full production. And he already said that the core mechanics and a lot of the stuff is a lot of the the the, the core stuff is done. You know, uh, I guess almost in pre-production, if you want to call it, or you know, when they have the lower group of the smaller group of people, and that kind of tells me that for these games that don't sell extraordinarily well as they're supposed to, like you know, if you have a game that's supposed to sell, let's, let's say the prototype, for example, like let's say production costs so much that Activision needs to make between eight and ten million dollars on this game, you know, to to get their money back. Uh, something tells me that. They should be looking at what's happening at that at that range because it's not like prototype. I don't think prototype prototype didn't sell because it wasn't marketed. I mean, everywhere I looked, I saw prototype ads everywhere. Especially mm-hmm. prototype too. I mean, they had yeah. the live action trailers and all the craziness. Like, yeah, they they marketed it. They marketed mm-hmm. it, so people knew about it. But perhaps it just wasn't a good enough game. Well, there's plenty of AAA titles that come out that just gameplay wise aren't that great. You know yeah. I also wonder how much like because you can damage kind of like goodwill or perception of a brand by like you know previous efforts and I really wonder if the first prototype because as much as gameplay might have been kind of enjoyable like the game was super super rough like around the edges it was enjoyable but it was super rough around the edges and I wonder if that kind of tainted people's perception of what prototype 2 would be. Because I mean even just from like I mean graphics seem much improved in prototype 2 but prototype 1 looked like not good <laughs> right. i don't know so i wonder if that just you just damage perception and that that does more than you know any amount of marketing can fix really right okay well let's look at it this way let's look at a game like uh a game like i would say halo 3 wasn't a bad game but definitely wasn't that well it wasn't it was a good game but it wasn't like for the money that they probably put into it it wasn't that spectacular, and the, the real reason it sold is because it was Halo. You know, oh, yeah. it was a Halo game. But if Halo was any other title, I don't think it would have sold that well, like Halo Three. 
you know. Right, um, but yeah, then reaches, but, but then reaches sales suffered for that, you know, based on that kind of failure and I don't know, really. Well, that was because oh, it came we, after ODST. Oh, that's true too. I keep forgetting. About, I yeah, keep, I, you forget about the ODST, ODST plus. ODST oh, yeah. really killed everything. I loved ODST's markup. There's your perfect, perfect example of a, a previous game ruining yeah. a game after it. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, Reach wasn't that good in my opinion to begin anyway. But well, it was better Reach than was... ODST. It was better than ODST for sure. <laughs> but yes, it, was... it wasn't a, a super, super great game. It it really just succeeded on a I guess storyline aspect more than anything. Yeah, so yeah. Innovations in gameplay are really changing much of anything. That's the like those titles are selling because it's Halo. Um, but you know and that's why those studios are still there. But if I think if Halo Three was another game, it wouldn't have sold as well. And possibly, you know, Bungie would have suffered for that. But, you know, of course, that's not the way it happened. But I'm saying, like, you know, you can have a, a game that comes out, a, a game that comes out good like that. Uh, but perhaps if they spent more time or focus more on the, on the gameplay mechanics of the game before they went to full production, the game would be even better. And more people would be willing to buy it, you know. Even though it does have a lot to do with branding, I will I will say that a lot of, a lot of it has to do with branding, which branding can go you know kind of up or down, as we've seen, because <laughs> a lot of people brought bought ODST, a lot of people bought it. Well, it's because it was a Halo game. It was a Halo game, and it was right after Halo Three, you know. Well, not well, it was the next game after Halo Three, but um, ODST probably definitely <laughs> had its effects on uh, on Reach. But you know, as they, I, I'm thinking that maybe they want to spend more time in that stage and get better, be, you know, uh, better results out of you know getting in the core mechanics of the game and how it's played and what you want to do. Because by the time you get in the full production, I can only imagine that that part, those parts are settled. Like I don't think you're gonna have a, a developer sitting at his desk saying, "Okay, well, I have to do X, Y, and Z. Oh, I'm just gonna jazz it up a little bit." Like, no, like, you're working on a team of, like, hundreds of hundreds of people. Like, you have to play your part. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You do what you're supposed to do. You probably, you, might, you probably have more freedom like that in a smaller team. Like, an indie dev or, or a smaller team or a tight-knit group. But, like, when you're working, like, in a, almost a, de- a developer factory like that, <laughs> you, you know, you do what you're, you, you know, you do what you're supposed to do. Like, I'm supposed to code, code this function so that he can do X, Y, and Z. You know, and that's what I'm gonna do the way they want us to do it, because that's the overall plan, which is just how bigger corporations work in general. So at, the, at those at those planning stages, maybe they need to focus more there, because it definitely seems like there's a lot of money coming out of the, out of the full production stage. You know what I'm saying? And by that point, it's already too late. No, I think I think you're right. But he fundamentally says I think it all comes back to that it's hard for them to estimate what resources they're going to need. And I think too, I mean, when you're in that pre-production stage working on those tools, I think you get them to a point where it should be good enough. I mean, hopefully it's better than that, but if you're worried about a budget crunch later on, I don't think you're going to, you know, you know, fundamentally maybe you should sort of take your time and go over everything. But if you're worried about resources later, you might be a little bit quicker to get, say, okay, the tools are are functional, uh, you know, and mostly working. Let's, let's start getting people in here. Um, I, th- I think the one thing that's interesting about all this is, is it explains why we're constantly seeing 
uh, I guess, you know, like news alerts that, you know, companies are constantly laying people off. But we never see, we never hear about when companies hit that ramp up stage. We never hear, oh, you know, a company just hired 200 new people or just added a bunch of new jobs. And so uh, in a way, it almost feels like the cycle is skewed for us to look at it negatively. Whereas it's it's skewed towards headlines. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. yeah. But those headlines, those headlines being negative. And, And so it's almost, you know, it's it's like a life and death cycle where we're only looking at the death. Um, I, I, I guess. Although there are, although in that sense, like, yes, I agree. But there is also the, the issue that you're seeing a lot of the actual studios get closed down altogether, which sure, they may have hired on new people and things like that. But it's not always, I mean, like they even say at the end of the article that five years ago you were looking at a heck of a lot more developers in the AAA space and you're looking at it now and five years from now you're going to be looking at even less well i i I think there's the one the one joke that the guy makes that ben even says he didn't find funny where he talks about ultimately just being one five a studio yeah (laughs) quintuple a studio yeah quintuple a studio and then I, i kind of feel like that's that's prophetic. That's the direction it's heading in. That this sort of constant churn of companies, it, it just keeps wearing them down. Maybe that's and the unless goal, you can get, Maybe unless you get a stu- studio that wants to be a developer and like, but they still do all the publishing things. But the publisher themselves is just one gigantic quintuple A developer, and all they do is they pump out that quintuple A game. You know, Activision's almost getting there. They've got what yeah. five studios, wor- studios working on Call of Duty. But at least, I mean, at least that gives them the luxury when you've got that many studios. You don't have to necessarily shut something down. It gives you the, the you're, it's a little bit easier to move resources around. I mean, they're all probably location based, and it's not like you just uproot somebody well, when you need to transfer them. But it's it's a it's it's a better option than laying somebody off, I guess. Yeah, Brown Pullman. That's another thing about Radical. Like they really did. Like some people definitely got laid off, but there were also a lot of people who got absorbed into other Activision studios. So, I mean, what was the actual number? Wasn't it like 90% of the studio got laid off, though? I can't remember that. That act, but, but doesn't that kind of jive with the. Uh... I guess that's true. Yeah, if you're. But I, I, and we also don't know, well, I guess, the exact number of people they employed beforehand either. So, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. I guess I get where you're getting at the, yeah. the life and death cycle. Yeah. I can understand. Like, I, I, I understand what, you know, what Keith is, is saying. Like, you know, it, it it's a, it's a higher, it's a. It is, it's like a risk versus reward uh, type deal, really. Like, you know, they're putting up lots and lots of money in the hopes that this game is going to make lots and lots and lots of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and that's why these, you know, that's another reason why these games, like, uh, they're trying to hit so many different, uh, the, so many niches that, you know, they become generic. Well, that just and that, that kind of kills it itself. Well, that, it's that too, but also on top of the fact, so many people can only afford so many AAA titles. That's true, but then like, you, if you think, how about many AAA it, titles can you buy within a year? Like how, depends, like yeah. especially if they all come out around the Christmas holiday f- festival of crap, you know? Right. I I I, I see what you're saying, but um, my thing about this whole this whole not necessarily this whole article. Oh yeah, I gotta say about this whole article, the whole system that they have for AAA development right now. If you're closing this many studios, and it's it, it, it's just everything or nothing type system, something's obviously wrong, and no, somebody's not looking at the right. They're not looking in the right places. Yeah, the right, like, the wrong metrics are being looked at. Exactly. They're, <laughs> yeah. they're, look, they're probably looking at you know, 
they're looking at the full production stage, seeing probably where they can cut corners there, but they need to look before that. Because they is like, you can, if the gameplay is not going to be fun or phenomenal or new or anything like that, then you shouldn't expect to be making a shit ton of money unless you have like a, a, a huge franchise on your hand. This is, the pro- this is probably the process they use for Call of Duty. Like they throw a lot of money at it, but then they get a lot of money in return. Because of the way the franchise works, but but you like, know, but that that makes me wonder though: Are they throwing a lot of money at it because they know like we just spent a ton of money and therefore we need to throw this much money into marketing in order to generate that much money in return, or are they throwing that much money into it because they've already invested that much in marketing that they now need to spend that much on the other end? It's it's almost it almost feels like a like like a, a chicken or an egg kind of scenario. Like it's just one giant cycle of we need to keep throwing money at it so we can keep making money. <laughs> well, I just had that, this image of throwing money at the screen all of a sudden. I definitely, I definitely think that the production money comes up first before the the marketing money because they have to know they're at least going to put this game out. In Call of Duty case, they know they're putting it out, <laughs> but in some in some particular stuff, like they have to actually know that they're putting it out before you start dropping money into marketing. But should I like they they have to be look they're like Rob said they're looking at the wrong metrics they're looking at the wrong the wrong thing, it shouldn't be an everything or nothing type deal. Another thing you need to look at, like, okay, if you see that your game's not moving at $60 a pop, I understand you need to make money. I do. But you need to think about lowering that price to mm-hmm. so more people can buy your game. Talk Something. To you know. Valve. <laughs> Talk to Valve. Some, either, in the, either in the price, something one way, one on one end or the other has to give. And I know, and I know that they don't want to lower the, the, back, you know, the, end, the end result price because of how much they spent in the back end. But then you need to look at like how you can cut costs down in the back end without having to cut a studio loose every time something doesn't go right. Like, maybe you need planners like maybe you need like you know i would think that gaming is not such just a, a subjective you know like the way that it's kind of you know the uh the, the wishy-washy kind of pseudoscience that people are are saying like oh well, we don't really know what we're gonna need so we just kind of make up a number of people that we're just gonna throw into the pot you know like that I would think that you'd have to have a pretty fucking good idea, actually, how many people you'd need. Like, certainly things can change, especially depending on publisher, you know, or owner changes in whim and things of that nature. But you you should at least be able to have somebody, you know, have planners, consultants or something that, like, sit around and make a real plan. Like, if we can put a fucking spaceship together, like, why can't we have planning that ensures that a game doesn't go super crazy over budget or super crazy over a budget period. I mean, it seems like they just kind of throw money at something and hope it sticks at the end. Yeah, but I think I think the problem is that that's what we're seeing with the failures is it's always a, a, a situation of, of bad planning. And I think what happens is you might have a, a, a company where they have a string of games that they did properly and they planned right. And all you need is one game where you just miss – you don't carry a one when you're doing the math and then – all the numbers fall apart. It's hard to see it, that it, though, because one game shouldn't make and break you. Then when it you shouldn't. Have but I, I think the for I think for the developers, the margins are that close. I mean, and and the the publishers are just they're not that forgiving. They don't you know they don't they don't have the tolerance for any kind of screw up. But that's the problem. I mean, like I'm yeah. already talking about that. But that's the problem. I mean, if it's like what well, what was it in the verge of three percent or something like that, you know, as a profit margin. You like on a typical basis, uh, 
<laughs> it's just really shitty. Like that's not any kind of a game I could see any other business doing, like going into. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I just think it's funny though. Going back to metrics for a moment, uh, that uh, Kachera actually, or Fuller rather, actually points out. Uh, I guess where that 85 Metacritic score comes from, that they actually have run studies that show that 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 right that 85 oh, right the there is where, where all of a sudden the game tends to see a huge bump in sales, and so now we can look back at why there was a bonus for hitting an 85 because apparently that tends to be where, 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 where sales jump up. At least that that's sort of been explained finally. Although, yeah, it is kind of a nice peek behind the curtain in a sense. Yeah, it's it's still silly, but I mean, like at least like there's a real reason that metric exists, and not just because like hey, we like eighty five. It seems like a nice number, you know, because that's kind of what it seems like sometimes. One of the things that does get me about this whole thing, though, because most AAA titles are are console based at this point, the vast majority, right? Oh yeah, definitely, and then ported to PC after the yeah. fact. The consoles. I mean, whoa, seven, almost eight years? Well, if you want to count the amount of time the developers had the consoles before the consoles actually came out, it's longer than that. But you've had the consoles for so long. And the tools to develop for these consoles have gotten so much better. They're probably damn near perfect at this point. Things and like cheaper. The, Don't and cheaper. cheaper. And cheaper. I mean, you have Epic giving away Unreal Engine 3 unless you make a certain amount of money off of your game, you know? Yeah. So how like how are the how are you not able to 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 benefit from this from these 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 cheaper tools? One, you spend less on the tools, but two, they should enable you to do your your job faster. And this is in the full production stage, so maybe they should look at this like why are we with better tools, why are we uh spending more you know, money? Right. No, exactly. And that's why I kind of wonder, like, I really kind of think it's all in the back end is like, there's something that's just not, you know, being looked at hard enough, maybe, maybe it's been looked at, maybe it's just not been looked at hard enough. And maybe some people are good at managing it. And it's not just, it's just something that doesn't come up that much. But like, maybe it needs to is that you need better planning at some point, something. Yeah. One thing I think it is, is that, you know, we've talked about before, but once once the once publishers saw how much money Call of Duty was making, they were saying, "We want that. We want a game that can do that for us. That can that can pull in that much money." And then they're pointing to devs like, "Hey, build that game. Oh, here's yeah. a here's Sorry, a man. shit ton of build money. Build a Call of Duty killer. We're just gonna throw money at you until it yeah. works. Yeah. Here's a here's a here's a here's a here's a fuck ton of money. Build this build this money making game." for us but the thing about it if you don't have the idea for it oh all you're gonna do is copy it and you're gonna make a poor copy exactly yeah because even if you think about it like modern warfare is the game that kind of changed everything actually modern warfare started changing it but modern warfare 2 is when the game was like oh it was really like it became a phenomenon with phenomenal. two, but it wouldn't yeah. have gotten there without, without one. Modern Warfare. And one changed one the game so, so awesome. much. Yeah, it changed yeah. it changed what first person shooters were so much but, that. And yeah. and there you go, new idea. Not we copied what somebody else did. Exactly, mm-hmm. and it, it wasn't it wasn't their first game either. That wasn't the first game of the series. It takes time. It takes it, time to develop things like that. It takes time. It takes a good idea. Yeah. that you get a chance to run with. And you know what? And I guess a lot of people don't necessarily. It's not too common knowledge we said it in an interview one time 
um, one of the creators of Call of Duty, you know, Modern Warfare. He he had that idea since before modern, since before Call of Duty Two. And Activision wouldn't let them pursue it. Exactly, Activision wouldn't let them pursue it. He had that idea since Call of Duty Two, so he had all that time from the time they started developing Call of Duty Two, all the way through its production through Call of Duty Three. You know why they, you know, were um. Well, Treyarch was making that and then published that and then they brought out Modern Warfare after all that he had all that time to develop that idea yep you know so it's not something that can happen overnight you know and cloning apparently doesn't work look at Homefront dude Rob just cut out there Oh, sorry. I, I, I half muted. Uh, half <laughs> unmuted and then like, I don't know, double hit the key or something. But uh, it's like somebody's like, pull his mic. <laughs> <laughs> no shit, he's going to say the secret words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I said, look at the iOS market. Yeah. There's your, there's another example of cloning not really working. Like, you know, it's, they, there's problems <laughs> and it's, and it's in, it's, it's almost like, publishers and, and corporate suits sit there and, and they watch like business things and they and they look at the stock market and in the same way we see like Borderlands 2 or Avengers movie or I don't know whatever come onto a screen or Max Payne 3 and we're like I'm throwing my money at the screen why is it not working I feel like that's the exact thing <laughs> that happens to them when they see like Call of Duty sells you know sell it goes for like 632 million like in a, in a month of being on sale or something and they're like shut up and take my money why won't a studio take my money and make something better than this and that's all that they see I, I feel like that's all that happens. Yeah. And, and instead they go out and they're like, the next day they're like, they wake up, and except they still have the same idea, and they go find an actual person to throw money at <laughs> and hope that they can make the same thing happen. And you know what? This is the result of big wigs at the publishers, at the publishers not knowing gaming, saying, okay, well, that's what they want. They bought that. That's what they want. Failing to realize we already have it. <laughs> you know, I already have it. And I paid $60 for it, bro. You know, why would I buy it again? Yeah, that's the thing. And like, like, I mean, yes, like the way gaming has worked is it's always been, you know, somebody builds a game, then somebody takes stuff from that game, builds upon it, and makes it an even better game. You know, uh, well, to a degree, you, know, you, you go from like, you know, going from Quake Three Arena to Unreal Tournament. You know, even Unreal Tournament to Unreal Tournament two thousand and three or two thousand and four. You know, people. You know, pe- yeah. People take ideas from other games, yeah. But they don't, like, straight-up clone it. Like, man, like, they were straight-up cloning Call of Duty. Like, Homefront. Homefront, man. Jesus. But this is, like, that was such a clone with, like, barely any difference. And that was, that's their problem. They think that, you know, oh, people want this, so they'll buy it. And that's not necessarily the case. Like, they're, you know, even even moms who are playing Farmville right now and Cityville are getting tired of playing the same things over and over again. Talk to Zynga about that because they're seeing the decline. You know, with all that. So yeah, clones, man, gotta stop with the cloning. Gotta gotta get gotta get something original. Um, yeah, I think we've talked about that. St- so many times, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I wasn't exactly sure if this one was gonna end the same way, but look, it did. Yeah. <laughs> and you know why? Because that's the answer. Uh, aren't we just fundamentally cloning our discussions then? Oh. In a sense. In a sense. I mean, it's. Nick, you're cut. 
Censorship. Oh no. <laughs> Somebody cut his mic. Hold <laughs> on, he's about to say the words. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's get on to our last topic. I tweeted before we recorded this. I was like, I think this is going to be a long one. And we didn't even know. talk about everything that was in that Verge one. The Verge one had a lot of numbers in it that were very interesting. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so they like uh, this this whole week. I don't know, like since last Thursday to this Thursday, stuff has just been happening. Like big, like I guess major topics have been popping up. So yeah, um, I'm but really yeah. excited about this one though. This one's like... Sony Gaikai. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, at this point, I'm pretty sure everybody has heard about the Sony Gaikai deal. I mean, and if you haven't, now you have. So yeah. you bought Gaikai. So you bought Gaikai, yeah. And Lots you know what? Money was thrown I, at Gaikai for this. I was kind of getting tired of it, man, because like games industry, pu- they pu- published like four articles about it. Like they published like four article. Kotaku, like the same day, had a fucking article about why, you know, you can play your PS4 right now and. Yeah. All this stuff, and I'm like, really, guys? Like, you, you really? Like, we're we're really gonna be jumping the shark like this and and going into imagination land? Yeah, it's a good spe- it's a it's a good source of speculation though. I can see where it comes from because some things were technical, like the Eurogamer article. Yeah. Some things were more like I could see why games in the street. Well, I don't see why they had four articles, but between the two, we you know we were looking at and for this topic, one was more financial based and the other was more just a traditional like rundown of what it could mean. I mean, I could see and also slow news day. Yeah. <laughs> um, I could see why there was a lot it of It is July. Stuff. And wait, we're wait, past how, how are you saying it's a slow news day when we're just talking about like we had like eight million things to talk about? Well Yeah, but it was kind of over the course of a <laughs> time. And and yeah. realistically we talked about like a couple of things for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Heavy topics, heavy topics, yeah. Yeah. There, there's a couple of big things, but radical happened last week. Technically, we we talked yeah. about that a short bit we, last. We month. broke that news. Yeah, so like that was happening more or less like when we were recording the Mashcast last week. So I mean that wasn't necessarily new, but the overall numbers, games, and people looking at AAA, you know, that was a little bit different. But this was the only big thing that really happened this week, more or less. So uh, yeah, was, in terms of news, news, uh, yeah. Sony acquiring Gaikai. Which I mean, I personally, I mean, I think it's a good move for both. I think it's it, smart. I think it's a smart move for both. Personally, I don't think Sony is going to take Gaikai and then throw it just into the PlayStation. Um, which they, I mean, they're going to use it in the PlayStation ecosystem, but just be like, okay, well, yeah, we're just going to use use you to stream games now. I don't think that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I nope. think I think Sony is going to use Gaikai the way Gaikai was intended <laughs> for the most part, and then also use them. To stream games when the time comes. I think that'll happen about mid to three quarters of the way through the PS4. Well, I mean, for t- quarters. Well, oh, you're looking. I think you're looking too far down the line. I think it's. Gonna, uh, I, I think, think we're gonna start I, using it before that. I think we're gonna see streaming demos earlier. Like that's what we're gonna see at first. Streaming demos for PlayStation, but just the way. You know, I I don't think they're gonna stop. You know, their Facebook streaming or their streaming on different websites like they have, because basically Gaikai is built so that like, um, let's let's use somebody who doesn't have a big publisher, a huge publisher behind them. Let's say Tripwire, okay? Tripwire, uh, Tripwire has a new game, uh, Killing Floor Two or whatever. They want to you know people to play the demo. 
people go to Tripwire, uh, Trip, um, Tripwire's website, and they can play the demo streaming through their browser right there. That's why that's what different got how Gaikai differs from like on live where everything has to go through on live. Gaikai wasn't necessarily like that. I mean, they probably have some branding there, but nothing super serious. So I think Sony's going to continue to use them that way and use it as an additional revenue stream because Gaikai is just they're like um they Gaikai I wouldn't say as a product. Gaikai is a backbone. Gaikai is uh you know they provide infrastructure. Kind of like Amazon uh, cloud services, you know, they provide infrastructure, you know, um, I don't think you're going to see, you know, sign up for Gaikai service <laughs> with, with, with PlayStation three or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I think they, 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 they definitely will be streaming. I would say they're probably going to at least be streaming demos probably to the PS three, oh. you know, or at least give that option. What do you guys think? anybody <laughs> I, I mean there's so much to discuss with it but i mean yes i don't see them taking like you know i mean we saw the kind of out there not out there i mean it was speculation it was it was meant to be speculation from you know kotaku that like hey you could turn your ps3 into a ps4 technically with guy and like yeah sure except for the reality of you know bandwidth and all that kotaku. sort of stuff yeah. Yeah. yeah but i mean i don't see i don't see I don't. Number one, I don't see PlayStation Three being turned into a PlayStation Four. I just, I don't think that's likely. There's going to be a new actual piece of hardware, and I also don't think that there's any chance that it's going to have, you know, no, no physical media whatsoever and only stream. I don't. Number one, I don't think the integration would be there yet by the time it would come out. And this, this acquisition is new. Regard and and PS Four, it's definitely been worked on since before now. So. It doesn't work for a lot of reasons, but mostly because of just the fact that it just doesn't work in general. Um, but I do see it being used as a as a as a supplemental thing. You know, more than anything, more than game demos is really kind of unrealistic uh, in terms of like user experience with games. And and I mean, like depending on and that's and that's still depending on how high your bandwidth is running. You know, how what you're getting at home. Um, but it has interesting implications for Sony as a whole company, I think is what's more interesting to me, especially with like, you know, their music unlimited and them trying to like work their, work their TVs back into a profitable business again. And it kind of squares with the idea that like, it, it doesn't future proof them, but it gives them some sort of future retention, I guess, that we are looking towards the future. This is a step that's going to happen. Like, yeah. I don't think anybody can deny like that, that cloud, not just gaming, but cloud period is something that's, it's going to be a big thing in the future. It's already a big thing now. I mean, look at, you know, cloud saving with I, you know, iPads and Apple and stuff of that nature. Like it's, it's, that's going to be part of the future, regardless of whether or not it completely replaces physical media or not, you can argue about it all day, but it's going to be part of the future. And Sony is just essentially put themselves in a position to be one of the leaders in that category. And it, that that is also very interesting to me from the standpoint that they've done this before and and maybe it gets lost in the in the shuffle of it, it being an acquisition and you're thinking about the fact that it's you know a company and and it's a digital service and blah 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 but blu-ray dvd oh uh, yeah i I mean, I'm not saying that they're setting themselves up to only use this as like their next model, but I'm saying that they're setting themselves up to leverage it way better than anybody else does before anybody else is really fully on board, in a sense. Well, they cheated when it came to Blu-ray, but we're not going to get into that. They cheated? <laughs> they cheated. They totally cheated. 
but go for it. <laughs> well, okay. regardless, the argument is still. I mean, yeah. the argument is still there. That it's not. Oh the no, first I'm not. Time. I'm not listening to your argument. Yeah. I just had yeah. to get that out because I felt some type of way when that situation happened. But go, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I think you're right. Fucking I mean, cheaters. That's in a sense. That's pretty much all I'm saying. <laughs> Hey, but if you cheat and you still win out, then who cares? Does Apple cheat when they litigate people to death and get get products banned? Or, you know, getting sold. Sure, but does, if you cheat, you win. <laughs> so I guess if if you could cheat and win, then you won. It doesn't matter. Oh yeah, but, they still won. They still won. And you could call buying you could call buying Gaikai cheating, but hey, they did it. And I think it sets them up in a good position for the future. I don't know if it if we should get all sci-fi crazy about shit like some people are getting, but <laughs> yeah. it definitely is going to. It's definitely going to make waves in the future. Oh, the PS4 is going to be a television. Ah, like, uh, come on. Like, PS4 no, is not. See them, I do see them leveraging business. Like Gaikai's already set up business to business connections to use stuff for TV and streaming. And, uh, like that cloud stuff is not going to be for PlayStation. Not just for PlayStation at all. I can totally, going to see Sony as a whole use it. I can totally see them like incorporating like you know the PlayStation brand and the televisions. Like, hey, you can stream games on your TV. I can totally see that, but I'm not. I, they're not going to throw the PS4 out the window. Oh no, God no, Jesus oh, yeah. no. Mm-mm. And it's still going to be physical media. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't think there should be any doubts about that. I think that anybody that's is either just playing a speculation game and they're just being silly for the sake of headlines or something like. Yeah. It is July. <laughs> Slow news day. <laughs> Slow, so, yeah. That's the you get the gaming you get the game journalism circus going on. You know, July, August, January, February, like clockwork. <laughs> well, now though, I mean, at least we have games coming out in January, February. But you're right about July and August because it's like it's right after E3. Yep. Everyone's announced everything. Woo. <laughs> nothing summer gaming drought there's like nothing coming out well, it's really sounds, de- man I'm, this I'm sounds really depressing yeah no, I got, no i'm like super depressed listen to mike like oh this shouldn't be depressing this is great news this is this is what this yeah. is Casserai's first real yeah real victory is is uh is, is chairman definitely CEO. that's the other thing i thought was interesting um I mean, in the the one game industry article, they actually talked to different analysts, which is really, I guess, not even an article in a sense, because it's just like, here's analysts and what they think. But one, the first, uh, Lewis Ward, the first one they talked to kind of points out the fact that like 380 million for a company, especially a company that's kind of like, well, for Gaikai in a sense, like some people say that's too much. And I don't necessarily disagree, but I don't agree in that number. But on top of that, I don't really have any real, you know, I can't point to anything and say, I know what that should cost anyway, because I don't. But Sony's not been in a good financial state. I mean, obviously, they, I mean, what, they've had year over year losses for the past three years? Mm-hmm. Uh, like people have taken pay cuts the past, you know, their executives taking pay cuts, you know, board directors is, you know, fucking apologizing and bowing to people on TV every time you turn around. Um, so for them to drop 380 million means that they had a lot of, not just, not, I don't think this is a gamble. I think this is a calculated, you know, Strike. a calculated move. Yeah. That, and it also kind of sets up a, a weird playing field too, because as soon as they bought Gaikai, everybody was like, Oh, Microsoft's going to buy on live. Except that they changed the state of things because I guess technically speaking, like, or financially speaking on live is always, I guess, considered to have a better, like a bigger valuation than Gaikai would. 
Well, that's all I have has customers. <laughs> well, that yeah. Well, that's because they're a business to consumer model, not yeah, a exactly. business to business. Right. But but they have customers. But on top of that, that you set Gaikai at three hundred eighty or three hundred eighty million, and now that makes the like at least from like what analysts and some financial folks were saying from what I've been reading that that puts got if it's on live like what like 1.2 billion they're saying that's fucking insane i mean instagram was a silly silly purchase at 1 billion anyway i mean but what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) i was reading the one article though where where they said now that sony's dropped out as a suitor for on live that really it's down to basically what Microsoft and EA and Microsoft has enough of their own cloud services that they don't really need it. So yeah, it's kind of like, you know, on live and, and EA are both like two people at a dance and there's no one else, you know, everybody else is on the dance floor already. Yeah. They're, so, yeah they are saying that they might settle for something less, but I mean, that's still going to be a hefty chunk of change, even if it's not a million, you know, a billion, if they're only asking for half a billion, that's still a lot of money. Yeah. But, at least it's more doable, but I mean, you you set it so far above a level where any of at least your console competitors, if you're just looking at it from a purely gaming perspective, can even like think that to, that that's a good idea. Yeah, especially with you looking at cloud gaming being four or five years out from being sort of reasonable and on a regular four or five years. Oh, I'm I'm just saying in a sense of like everybody. You being sir are an optimist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying from a standpoint of everybody mostly in a, in a in a fairly general sense everywhere being able to stream demos at a decent you know a decent sense not even just gotcha yeah not even just the the input you know of, of having full games or anything silly like that I mean right. I mean even that's pushing it but I mean and but that but that highlights the point even more you spend a billion dollars on somebody and you're probably not going to see any real huge game changing out of them for 10 years yeah. who would do that right now right and, and, and in a sense that makes 380 million look like chump change yeah sort yeah. of I, I just want to say though that that one article which had the different analysts my favorite thing was that in all the analysts as they talked about okay. what might happen online like, and what might happen with microsoft everybody agreed nintendo's not doing anything Oh yeah, <laughs> I thought that it was pretty funny, funny that Michael Pactor was like, "This won't affect next gen at all." I thought that was kind of interesting because I'm like, "I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna have some effect on next I don't, gen." I don't, I don't, it will have effect to next gen until late in the game, in. though. I don't know. I think um, I think Cloud's gonna come into play with other things. I think everybody's just thinking from the standpoint of like, "Oh man, you're gonna get full games or, or even full game demos see, on cloud all the time," and I don't well, think that that's the point. I think that you're gonna see other services make their way to the cloud. You what? know. What year do we think the PS5 is going to hit? Because, I mean, it's we're already saying, what, the PS4 in 2014? And so it's like an eight-year, ten-year cycle. We're talking, what, 2022 maybe? Like, who knows what state the Internet's even going to be in by then? That's true, too. We could be all all at war with the robots at that point. We could be. (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't matter at that point. Exactly. Uh... But, uh... Uh, I mean, right, I think I, one thing I do think is going to kind of have a, a bigger impact than people think and may not necessarily be thinking about so instant streaming demos like you're on PSN, you see a game, you want to check it out, but she, you know, you're like, ah, OK, I got to download the demo and you're like, oh, I'll, I'll get it later and then you forget yeah, you about get, it. Oh, I'll just walk away for an hour or two and let it download. Yeah, got, now it's like, got boom. to install it. Yeah. Instant streaming demo. And there's a point where you can take a hit in quality for yeah, experience. yeah, exactly. So instant streaming demo, and then at the end of the demo, hey, you want to buy now? Sure, okay. Mm-hmm. 
Got me. Like it, it was entertaining. It's, I paid five dollars for that. Yeah, <laughs> you know. How and especially if they that? catch right when you've just played it. Exactly. Like, yeah. How often do I say that? You could keep playing the demo while the game is downloading. That's probably doable. Well, I mean, our bandwidth oh, would have to be very, a That's a very sure. heavy bandwidth thing, though, to stream yeah. something. I'm not. I'm not saying like it's possible right now with our with our but, limitations. So, well, basically, you later. you just keep playing the demo and you just send your wife to go buy it from from well, Best Buy. That's just regular. <laughs> that's just regulation of the the bandwidth. I mean, okay, for for the PS3, if you're just downloading a game, use the full bandwidth. However, if you're not down, if you if you're streaming a game, fifty percent maybe. Right. You know. Because if you're like if you're on a cable connection, you should be able to use half, you know, half. Because yeah, actually, first of all, first of all, the PS3 doesn't even use max bandwidth. Okay, yeah. so so if it used half of its bandwidth to stream and half of it to download, I think you should be perfectly fine. You wouldn't be perfectly fine if you're on DSL, which if you are still using DSL, that's not really <laughs> broadband at this point. Yeah, no, it's not. I mean, you you should either be on cable or on Fios. So I know Verizon is telling yeah, you it is, issue. but son, it's not. I feel like we should talk slower for the users on DSL. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that. Well, you know, you also have to keep in mind that there's people that live out in the sticks. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. That's why, like, FIOS isn't really readily available everywhere, whereas cable is a little more accessible. Reasonable, yeah. I mean, yeah. like DSL is is probably but, as accessible as cable, but I mean, actually, it, I DSL as... typically a bit more accessible than cable. I guess that's true, because yeah, cable isn't necessarily everywhere, but telephone lines pretty much are. So. Yeah, so I mean, but that's the thing. I mean, even on even on DSL, I can't like I mean, you, the the quality of the of the graphics would probably go down, because that's what happens on Gaikai now. Like, if you're if you're if you're um if your bandwidth starts to get messed up, your movement is still fine, but your visual quality goes down. Kind of like you get a lot of artifacting Netflix. and yeah, a lot of artifacting and and visual screw ups. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good thing. It's definitely a good thing that uh, for Sony, uh, I think a lot of good for them is going to come from as long as they do it well. I, I don't think they're going to force it down anybody's throat, <laughs> you know. No, I think they're going to implement it as a services type thing. Also, it makes it gives a lot of like there's like a lot of like peripheral things too. I could almost see Sony setting themselves up for like a, as a Netflix competitor with it um i could see playstation plus getting a lot of real differences now yeah like compared to other things that you roll it out to playstation plus first you don't have to worry so much about you know loads and things of that nature when you're only living rolling out to a limited amount of people right. and, to, and then you eventually roll it out to everybody else but everybody who's on you know playstation plus can already you can go fucking gush about it somewhere about how awesome you know right it is being word of mouth is powerful i there's just a lot of like little things that this even aside from all the sci-fi talk that is very interesting you know and it's not it's not going to be immediately you know recognizable but I, I do think within the next five years you see some interesting things happen from it right yeah so um yeah we'll have, we'll just have to see exactly what happens with it and if anybody else starts buying up other people because they're nervous, I don't think so. Though, to be honest with you, but. no, I don't think so. I think that I think that the the general conception that uh, Microsoft's already working on their own stuff, so they're not going to buy anybody, especially anybody that's going to be valued as high as on live, is is true. Yeah. And Nintendo's never played into that game anyway of being at the forefront of like technology in that way. Right. So. And, and the big publishers like EA and Activision, I don't think they would be interested in in going into. On live because now you're dealing with going into hardware. Like, why would yeah. you do that? 
Mm-mm. Yeah, and that's what on live is. Like, if it was Gaikai, it's one thing. Yeah, Gaikai's yeah. situation was different, but nah, it's it's very much different. I mean, like the Eurogamer. I mean, like I, we're I, I assume we're not going to discuss it, but that if anybody listening is into like the technical things, like go read it. It's fucking fascinating. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. So. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's good. It'll be in the show notes. So, but um. We've talked for long enough. <laughs> it's time yes. to yeah. something else. Right off into the sunset. Yeah. As we talk about games coming out next week. What comes uh, out next week? What, what was what, oh, okay. The 9th. So Quantum Conundrum comes to XBLA and PSN. Another Game of Thrones games. Oh, no. Game of Thrones goes to PSN. Uh, oh, okay. NCAA comes out next week, huh? Oh, there you go. Yeah. You, there you have sports. Real game. NCAA comes out. Um, is it NCAA best? Oh, sorry, NCAA football. Yeah, okay, so basketball sorry. hasn't been made in years. <laughs> so, not well, I didn't. Sorry, I didn't yeah. know. If, I know. I don't keep up with sports. My bad. I, I know. That's what I'm saying. I know you don't. It's all. It's okay. all good. It's all good. Now, the one game that everybody's looking for is Mickey Mania coming to PSN next week. Um, well, what about so, Rhythm Thief and the Emperor's Treasure for 3DS, bro? Oh, oh <laughs> so I'm that. so sorry. Oh my god, so much hype for that game. I know, oh, I know. Jeez. So yeah, there's, <laughs> that, there's that happening. Um, one, well, I always ask on my Twitter, you know, if anybody wants to hear about anything specific. And usually it's just people telling me to shut up or, you know, I'm not saying anything at all. But um, Admiral Mikey... As he actually responded back, you remember Admiral Mikey? He he used to be one of our two commenters, and he's the, he's the one that didn't. He's not on the Nash cast because the one is uh, you know Nick here. Um, I won. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, he uh, he he just wanted to he just wanted to let everybody know that he's been playing like the the Final Fantasy Final Fantasy Theater Rhythm. Is that that's how you pronounce Theatrum. it? Theatrum. Yeah, Theater Rhythm. Uh, yeah, Theater Rhythm, and he is loving it. Huh. So yeah, it's apparently a good game endorsed by Admiral Mikey. Hmm. Loves theater rhythm, so I heard it's a good a good trip down memory lane, especially. Yeah. Although I don't see why you'd play it for any other reason. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I think like everybody said that it was really for fans. So. Oh well, yeah, I mean it's obviously for fans. I'm still waiting for the 3DS XL before I buy a 3DS now, though. Mm. Which means I'm gonna miss like a couple weeks of Kingdom Hearts. Why are you gonna get the old man? 3DS. Because Kingdom Hearts is out. No, but I, well, I'm just going to regular <sighs> That's one. That's the I only need, reason. I need there to be a real fucking Kingdom Hearts game. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> no, I'd buy Well, I'd buy that Kingdom Hearts game because it continues the story. It's it's supposed to be what Chain of Memories was to Kingdom Hearts 2. It's basically right after. Like I said, I want a real fucking Kingdom Hearts game. <laughs> <laughs> Chain of Memories was a real Kingdom Hearts game. It was, yeah. a, good, it was a good Kingdom Hearts game in that. <laughs> At least when you put it on the Game Boy Player and you popped it on the big screen. Hey, I was playing with my Game Boy SP. Me and my huge hands oh, playing that game. The... Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I guess that's going to wrap us up here. Uh, you can catch us on SoundCloud, which you're probably listening to right now. So SoundCloud.com slash mash those buttons. Uh, we're also on iTunes, so if you listen weekly, you might as well just subscribe to iTunes. Uh, we're also on uh, Twitter.com. Actually, we're also on Stitcher Smart Radio. <laughs> Since we're talking about ways you can listen to the MASHcast, so Stitcher Smart Radio for your iOS and uh, Android devices. 
Uh, we're at twitter.com slash mash those uh, twitter.com slash MTB site. I do believe that Rob had that same problem last week. I told you. I told and you. This yeah, is I why I keep that in there. Because it's, it's, a, it's a template. It's a template. And I just need to change the damn template. But I'm, I'm, I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's twitter.com slash MTB site and facebook.com slash mash those buttons. Uh, as always, we appreciate you listening. If you want to tell us anything, you have any comments, you want to like something we do, you don't like something we do, you want to hear about a specific topic, let us know. We're here. Email, Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud. We accept all forms of commenting. Leave really? us a comment. Or as I said a couple of matches ago, call me. <laughs> call, call him maybe. He's not sure. Yeah. Maybe. Oh. <laughs> Okay, yeah. I deserve to die for that. I'm going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mikey. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get on out of here. You guys have a good weekend. Enjoy Evo this weekend. Enjoy Evo. Later. Peace. Yeah. Nom, nom, nom.